Hey, my name is George Willis, and I serve as the missions and pastoral care minister here at New Beginnings. I just want to say first thank you to Pastor Todd and Pastor Matt and their leadership and them being able to allow me to come speak to you guys today. Thank you guys for joining us, man. We're so thankful to see each and every one of you here this morning. For any of you guests here today, we want to say a special thank you for joining us as well. Man, I tell you what, I am so overwhelmed with the ability for us to just come together and praise our Lord and Savior together. I know this season has been weird, and there's been many opportunities that we haven't had to come worship with one another. So it just overwhelms me and just blesses me to be able to see so many people here this Sunday after Christmas. So I'm just so thankful for you guys that are here this morning. I mean, I love uh, the Christmas season, right? I love the holiday season. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love the presents. I love being able to spend time with my family. My mom always makes my favorite buttermilk pie. I get to eat on that. I just love Christmas a little bit too much, but I I love the Christmas season. And it can be such a joyous time for us to spend time with our friends and our families and just uh, make great memories with, with one another. That's what I love about Christmas so much. And this holiday season, and most importantly, is that we get to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I know that for many of you guys, you might be entering into this room today, and the holiday seasons have stressed you out a little bit, right? Trying to figure out gifts and presents and everything. You may be even going through some time where you're mourning a loss, or there are family members that, are, that haven't been able to be with you this Christmas. Or maybe you're suffering with depression, or you're trying to overcome some sort of addiction. I know that for a lot of you guys here, this holiday season can be kind of tough. It can be stressful for many of you. But there may be some of you here that are here thankful and ready to praise God for all he has done in your life. And I just want to say what, whatever state that you're in, whatever you're going through this morning, that there is hope in the darkness, right? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's hope in the darkness. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, there's hope in the darkness because there is hope in this darkness that we sometimes must go through. Hey, have you, any of you guys ever seen the TV show Alone? Okay, Alone is one of my favorite shows to watch right now on TV. The whole premise behind Alone is this. They take 10 contestants, they drop them off into the wilderness of Vancouver, they get to pick out 10 items to take with them, right? And they have to haul around a bunch of camera equipment because they have to film and record everything that they do the entire time they're there. There's no camera crews with them. It's just themselves dropped off into the wilderness. And the whole objective is to see who can last the longest alone, right? So there's 10 contestants all over the place. Nobody knows when the other person is dropping out. So some of the contestants might last a day. Some might last two days. Some a couple of weeks, some months, but you never know until you're that last contestant and the crew, the crew shows up and says, you have won alone. But it's so funny to watch them as during, during the day, they're teaching you things like, uh, you don't want to eat this plant because it could, it could cause you sickness. You want to build a fort this way, or you want to, we're going to go fishing using this type of string to do these things. And so all throughout the day, they're narrating their day for you. They're, they're awake, they're excited, and things like that. But, oh, when that nightfall hits and and they're by themselves and all of a sudden they're alone in the middle of the night, it's so interesting to see how the contestants respond to that. Many of them start getting pretty paranoid. They start thinking, 
Well, what am I hearing out here? Is that a, is that a lion? Is that a tiger? It's, it's funny. They start, they start getting very scared. Others, they start asking questions like, man, am I, am I going to be able to make it through this? Man, I miss my family. I, I, they start questioning their faith even. You, you see so many people start getting very, very scared in that moment when you're alone by yourself. When the darkness hits, that's when your body gets tired, and it's just very interesting to see how we respond in those moments. Every one of them are going through some kind of battle in that moment. They're battling themselves physically, mentally, and some of them even spiritually. So my question is, what do we do when we are going through those battles, when we're going into that darkness by ourselves? We feel so alone. How, how and who do you run to in those moments? So we're going to turn uh, with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. That's where we're going to be reading through today. As you turn there, I'm going to read the scripture, and it will be up on the screen as well. It says this in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone bounds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took, the same, he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. Let us pray. Lord, bless the hearers and the readers of your word today. God, will you look, we look to you for hope. Please, Father, speak to us through your word today, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So let me give you a little context, a little uh, insight on how Paul and Silas got themselves into such a a sticky situation. Um, Paul and Silas were going about their day with some of their missionary buddies. It was Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, and they were doing what they do. They were traveling, and they were sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. They were headed to a prayer meeting in Philippi when a slave girl with a spirit of divination came about them. A divination is a, a demonic spirit where the girl could have the ability to tell people their secrets and about their lives, which was in turn making her owner a lot of money, a lot of profit off of her ability to do this. This owner had a really, really good hustle going on. He was making a lot of money off of this girl until Paul and his whole crew came in, and the girl would start following him around for several days saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. And this went on for several, several days. And this is how you can tell Paul was real, because Paul said, he, it says in Scripture, he got greatly annoyed. He got greatly annoyed, so much so where he cast out the, de- the demon in Jesus' name. And this caused the owners to be very upset because they were losing their profit. And it also ended up, jo- Paul and Silas to end up being beaten severely and thrown into jail. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. It says, about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. But I tell you, my, my, my dad used to always tell me back in the day, there's nothing, that good, there's nothing good that goes on at midnight or after. Right? Have any of y'all ever heard that? My dad always used to tell me that. Nothing good goes on after midnight. But this, in this particular scenario, there was something good that came out of some bad stuff at midnight. See, Paul and Silas have gotten themselves into a pretty bad circumstance. The definition for a circumstance is a fact or a condition connected with or relevant to an event or an action. See, the fact is, Paul and Silas are in prison. They did not desire or deserve to be there. They were just doing what they were commanded to do. The circumstance that they were in, they did not want to be there or desire to be there. But sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we will have to be in hard circumstances. We will find ourselves in situations where we have to withstand persecution. But what they did in the midst of that circumstance is what is so important. And I'm going to go through today three ways that Paul responded while in the darkness. The first thing that Paul and Silas, you see them doing, is they seek God in prayer and they sing praises. See, it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So oftentimes when me and you, we get hit with these tough trials and tribulations in our life, the first thing that we do is try to go to fixing stuff on our own. Instead of asking why, or, or, or we start asking questions like, why do I deserve this, or, or what am I to do? And Paul and Silas said, no, the first thing that we're going to do, we're going to seek the Lord in everything that we do, and we're going to worship him in singing hymns. See, Paul was in jail. There were, there were circumstances that he couldn't control. He could have chosen to give up. He could have questioned God, but he chose to pray and worship because he knows his father hear, hears him. Because in Psalms chapter 116, verses 1 and 2, it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call to him as long as I live. See, he hears. He hears you. He hears your pleas. He hears your prayers. So what do we tend to do in those moments? I know I oftentimes try to perform under my own, under my own power. I, I try to, before immediately going to God, I try to figure it out myself. Rather than questioning and wondering why you are going through this persecution and this pain, we should seek his face in prayer, and we should praise God for what he has done in our life. However, every experience and every breath that we have taken is by the grace of God, regardless of the outcome of the situation or circumstances we are in. We should be able to praise him in those moments. See, in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and, one and 3, it says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You pass through the waters. I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. You are a child of God. He is for you. So when you are in this battle, when you, are, when you cannot see the ins and outs of things, you can rejoice knowing because God who created the heavens and earth is here with you and has a purpose for your darkness that you are in. The book of James tells us it's not if we meet these trials, but when we meet these trials. 
The psalmist tells us in Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount on all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing your name, O Most High. Praise God in the darkness. Now, I want you guys to listen and see what God did for Paul and Silas in those moments. In Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 26, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were open, and every bonds were unfastened. Man, one of my favorite worship songs is From Graves into Gardens. Have y'all heard that song? Man, I tell you what, when, when Pastor Philip and the worship band comes out and starts singing that thing, oh my gosh, it's such good worship. I love it so much. It's one of my favorite songs. Now, could you imagine in this moment, Paul and them are praying and worshiping God, and he, God brought an actual earthquake and everyone's bonds fell off. Could you imagine that? This is where we see the second way that Paul responded was through serving people. Look, if I'm, that, if I'm in jail, I'm, I'm locked up, and I'm, I don't deserve to be there. I don't want to be there, but I, I'm in bonds. I'm in shackles, and an earthquake comes through, and my chains fall off, and that door comes open. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I'm out. I'm not going to sit around. We ain't going to have conversations about who's going to run when. No, I'm getting up out of that thing right then. I'm not waiting. But what did Paul do? Paul doesn't do that. This is what, what it says in verse 27. It says, when the, when the jailer woke up, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. See, in that time, Roman soldiers, if they were to lose a prisoner, that soldier would no doubtably be publicly humiliated and painfully executed. So rather than do that, he was just going to take his own life instead. But Paul cried out with a loud voice. He said, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Notice he said all. That's talking about Paul, Silas, and the prisoners. Now, see, we don't know why the prisoners stayed around. We don't know, we don't know if it's because they were still shook up from the earthquake. Or it could be that they had been listening and hearing Paul and Silas praise and worship, and they've seen their faithfulness, and the next thing you know, an earthquake comes, and they're like, we're staying with these guys. They know something that we don't know. So they stayed. Paul served the jailer in that moment. Seeing what the jailer was about to do to himself, he stopped him. He said, stop, look, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. He served him even in the midst of the struggle that Paul and Silas were in. Uh, so I, I know that a lot of you have know someone or maybe have experienced uh, the COVID-19 virus. You, you may have been affected by that or know families or friends that have. In those moments, when you hear of family and friends that are going through this, what are, what are some of the things that we do? We say, Hey, how can I help you? Is there, is there something I can do for you and your family? Can I uh, bring a meal by? Or I've seen multiple times people will uh, send meal trains to people's homes or goodie baskets dropped off at their doorstep. We, we want to come alongside and serve even though we may be going in the midst of some kind of struggle ourselves. We see that often when family members pass away. We'll ask the family, the friends of the family, can I come down and and help with anything? Can I, can I bring a plate over? Can I come pick up your kids? So in those times when we are, are hurting, we want to look in ways so we can serve others, even if you are, yourself are going through a tough time in your life. We see our Christ, Lord Jesus, he models this so often in Scripture for us. 
Uh, And for one example is in Mark chapter 8. Jesus had been traveling. He had been healing and preaching in the area. And a great crowd came about, about 4,000 people. And they had been with him for three days. The people were getting, getting hungry. They were getting weak. They needed food. And the disciples were like, Jesus, man, tell, tell these people to disperse. Um, let them go figure out how they're going to get their own food. We cannot provide food for all these people. And what did Jesus say? He said, no, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with, us, with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. See, Jesus couldn't just allow the crowd to go. He couldn't just let them go hungry. He had to show compassion to them. So what did he do? He does what Jesus does. He performed a miracle. He took a couple of loaves of bread and some fish, and he fed nearly 4,000 people. He served them by feeding them in that moment. So you know the, the, the greatest act of service we will ever experience is Jesus' service for us on the cross. It says, because God shows, shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Jesus shows us this same compassion and willingness to serve time and time again. In Scripture, it shows us this. So I want to recap real quick. First, first we see Paul and Silas. They responded by seeking God's face in prayer and singing songs of praise to him. And then we witnessed them serve the jailer. And now we're about to see the third way that they, they respond when they are battling in the darkness. And they do that by sharing. It says, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. See, like I, I told you earlier, I love Christmas time, right? I love celebrating the birth of our Savior. I love getting gifts. I love receiving gifts. I, know, I love being able to just give to people. I love the anticipation of the presents. I love just the whole time of Christmas time. But how many of you here, as the holiday seasons are going through, as you're finding these good deals at JCPenney's, Walmart, as you're buying these gifts, you're putting them underneath the tree. You like to place your presents underneath the tree before Christmas Day. How many of you like to do it that way? Yeah, some of you. Or how about some of you guys that like to wait until Christmas Eve? You're up at 4 a.m., wrapping presents and such, and then the next morning, there's a ton of Christmas presents out the next day. How many of you guys like it that way? Yeah, that's how my wife likes it as well. Um, see, in my house growing up, it, it didn't go down like that. In my house growing up, we had presents underneath the tree throughout the, the, the Christmas season, throughout the holidays. As my mom and dad would find gifts, they would wrap them and they would place them there. And then on Christmas Day, there would be more gifts that would appear. But I was always that kid. I was that kid that was always looking. I'm trying to figure out, what is this gift? I'm picking up the gift. I'm shaking it. I'm measuring up the weight. I'm throwing little hints out there at my mom and dad like, man, that's about the same size as that Super Nintendo, isn't it, mom? Is is that that Super Nintendo? She'd be like, George, you better just wait. You have to wait. You have to see when it's Christmas time. You have to see. But that anticipation used to kill me so badly. I was that kid. It was like, tell me, tell me, tell me. What is this secret? You got to tell me what this present is. So I can see the Roman jailer being the same way. He comes in and he's overwhelmed. He rushed in, he hits his knees and he's like, what do I do? Tell me this secret. How can I live like you? 
I have seen your faithfulness. I have listened to you pray. What do I need to do to be saved? Paul didn't tell that man. He didn't tell him to, you need to go act right. You need to go start acting better. You better go down to the highway 80 mission and, and serve a little more. He didn't tell you that you better start being that perfect, perfect family that you see on the postcards and the Christmas cards. Paul didn't tell you that. Paul said, he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. See, it was not based on the jailer's action. It was based on Jesus and Jesus alone. This is why Paul and Silas were in that jail. They weren't simply there because they shared the gospel. They were there to preach the gospel to that jailer, to share the gospel and to share the hope that lies in Jesus. They were not going to miss this opportunity. They had to tell him. They had to tell him about how Jesus had transformed their life. See, Paul and Silas knew God had them right smack where he wanted them to be. And we talked about this before. There's purpose for our pain. It tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and 15, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear for them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that you have, that you what, yet do it with gentleness and respect. What does that mean? It means always be prepared to tell those about the hope that lies in Jesus. You know what God has done in your life. You know what he's doing in your life. Be ready to tell people about it. So even when you're struggling, even when you're suffering, even when you're going through a, a season of the coronavirus, or there's death in family members in, in your family, or you're suffering, you have broken relationships, even in those times, do not close your heart for the opportunities to share about Jesus. Instead, seek opportunities to serve others. When we do that, when we take, when we take the light off of ourselves and start serving others, that's just good medicine. John Piper, a great pastor and author, says, people will only see Jesus in us if they hear about him from us. There is no gospel without words. I'm going to say that one more time. Piper says, people will only see Jesus in us if they hear about him from us. There is no gospel without words. You have to speak about Jesus to people. So I know many of you may be sitting here uh, today and you're like, man, George, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I'm, hearing you, I'm hearing you speak, but how do I get there? I, I want to give you three um, practical ways that we can find through this scripture to respond during tough seasons of our life. And first, let's start with prayer. When you're, when you're rack, smack, dab in the middle of a bad season, I want you to praise and pray. I want you to start your morning on your knees. I want your, your knees to literally be the first thing that hits the ground when you get out of bed. And as, and, and as you pray, praise. Shift the way that you pray. Before you pray and ask God to do one thing in your life, I want you to first praise God and reflect on all the good characteristics of our God. He is loving. He's patient. He's faithful. His steadfastness. Praise him and think about which one of his characteristics that you are so thankful for even though you are going through a time of struggle. Then I want you to tell God ten things 
Just 10 things that you're thankful for. Without his mercy and without his grace, you would not have. God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my health, my job. Just 10 things. Then after you've done that, tell God what is hurting you. He wants to hear your hurts. He knows your struggles, but he wants to hear it. Tell God what's hurting you and ask for him to heal your hurts. Tell him he wants to hear from you. The third thing is serve. Serve someone. When you're going through a tough season, acknowledge the fact that, man, I'm going through a tough season, but I need to go serve someone else. Find a way to serve people. I know here at New Beginnings we have life groups, and so often in our life groups we serve all over the community. If you're in a life group, get involved. Ask your life group leader, how can I go serve in the community with you? If you're not involved in life group, I would encourage you to look into getting involved with one because it's a great way to get to grow with each other and to be along beside a community of believers that can come alongside and pray and grow with you. People don't know if you're struggling or what you're going through if you can't tell them, if you're not open with them about it. Life group is a great way to be authentic with one another. So go serve somebody. And then thirdly, share Jesus with someone. If there's someone in your life that you know needs to hear about the hope that lies in Jesus, call that person today. Call them and schedule that coffee or that lunch. Or that lunch. Call them and be authentic with that person. Open up with that person about your life and your struggles because every one of us are going through something. Every one of us are struggling with something, and it may be something like this. Hey, I know that this has been a tough season. I know it has been crazy, but I'm struggling, and I know you're struggling too, but this is how God is still working in my life. These are some of the things that God is still doing in my life. He's still giving me health. He's still giving me time with my family. He's still giving me a job. Praise God in the moments that even though you're struggling, you can be authentic with others and let them know about how God can still be glorified in those things. So if you, if you practice some of these practical, practical steps, this will help you find hope in the darkest of situations because you know and you trust that God has you right where you're supposed to be. And God is not going to leave you or forsake you in those moments. So I know that there's many of you that are here today and it's been a struggle, right? 2020 has been something else. 2020 has been a kick in the tail, and you're just ready for it to be behind you. And I know that this season can be very, has been very, very, very difficult. But I want you to hear something, and I want you, your eyes up here, and I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this. It's this. It's whether you are going into darkness, or you're in the darkness right now, or you're coming out of the darkness, there is hope, and the hope is found in the name of Jesus Christ. The rest of 2020, 2021, and every day hereafter until Christ returns to make everything new again, you can find hope in the name of Jesus. But you must come trembling like that Roman jailer did. You must come in full submission, asking him, what must I do to be saved? See, I know there's many of you that need to ask that question, what must I do? You must repent and believe that God loved you so much that he came right in the middle of the muck and the mud and the brokenness for each and every one of you. There may be many of you here that are thinking, oh man, maybe soon, very soon, once I start getting my life together, that I can come to the Lord. 
or maybe when I get that right job, or maybe when I get this, this cloud, this amount of money, or maybe when my family looks this way, I can start coming to the Lord. I want to tell you that day ain't coming until you make Jesus the foundation of your home. Until you decide and until your relationship with Jesus is complete, your, your love for him will help you overcome those battles. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may find peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He sacrificed himself for you, for your sins. You are forgiven. He has won the battle already. Let Jesus do it. He did it for you. So finally, I'm going to leave here in just a moment, but I want every one of you to to bow your heads and and close your eyes. I want you to reflect, and I want you to think of something right now. I want you to think about the, the, the scripture we just went through and the story I just told. I want to think about there's two categories that you guys could be falling into right now. You're either like Paul and Silas who are going through it. You've gone through a, a, a certain season in your life, but you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you're choosing to praise him and worship him in this moment. You're choosing to praise the King of Kings for what he's done in your life, but you're still hurting. You're still going through some stuff but you believe in Jesus and you just need some encouragement and you need some prayer this morning. Well, there's going to be a time in just a minute where our staff's going to be down here for you to pray with them and for them to encourage you. Or you're the second person in this. You're the jailer. You've been hearing about Jesus for a long time. You've you've seen how he's transformed others' lives. You've come to church. You maybe grew up in the Bible, but in East Texas, you came all your, your life growing up as a kid, but your life never looked like the life of somebody that's following Jesus, and you've never truly submitted to him. That may be you this morning, where you continue to hear, you've heard about it, but you need to submit. You have to come like everyone else has come before, broken and battered and in need of a Savior. God did not design you to do this by yourself. He did not design you to do it on your own. You are loved and a child of God, but you have got to submit to him. God has given you a free gift in his son, Jesus Christ, but you must open that gift and receive him. So I I can't come up here on this stage and talk to y'all. I can't have these moments with you guys without asking you a question. Have you submitted your life to Jesus? It's that important. Are you ready to surrender your life to him? Do not leave this place without knowing the answer to that question. If you want your life transformed, you must submit to Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to do that today, if you're ready to submit your life to him, you're tired of going about this struggle, this heartache, this hurt, by yourself, and you say, you know what, I'm done. I'm submitting to him today. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want you, in just a minute, when we begin to worship, when I get through praying, I want you to stand. I want you to come forward, be bold enough to speak to one of our ministers, one of our staff. It is that important. It is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. Let us pray. Jesus, God, I thank you for the God that you are, the way that you have fought these battles for us, 
the way that we can find hope in you in the midst of any darkness that we may be going through. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he made on the cross for each and every one of us. I thank you for that free gift that all we have to do is accept. So God, I'm asking right now that you will stir and you will work in the hearts of those here in this place, that they may need encouragement, or they may, they may need to come like that Roman jailer, on their knees, submitting to you. But God, may your will be done in this moment right now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.